Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to fuck it up in our very, very humble opinion. Yes, I said fuck. Today we're talking about making horror indie films on a low budget and how to get them released. I'm Jos Alderson, director of the psychological horror feature film The Dare and vampire documentary World of Darkness and producer of horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life. All my co-hosts are away today. Dan is in Ghana. CJ's making uh, a film somewhere in... I don't, I don't know where he is. And I know Andrew's doing an um, ITV drama. There you go. They're all busy. Um, we're coming at you from Just Voices Studio. It's a beautiful studio. I say this every time. It really is reasonably priced. If you want a central London studio without the central London prices, this is the place for you. Visit them at justvoicesagency.com. Speak to Simon or speak to Lee. Right, I've got a new segment. This is a new segment. It's called Indie Filmmakers Shoutouts. Uh, it's to keep the support for indie filmmakers like ourselves, like yourselves. We wanted to start shouting out about screenings, about Kickstarters, fundraisings, etc., etc. So if you've got anything to promote, slide into my DMs at Giles Alderson or Filmmakers Pod and we'll give it some love. Uh, this week's shout outs are to Fizz and Ginger Films, Tori and Matthew Butler Hart, who have been on the podcast talking about their brilliant film, Two Down and The Isle. And The Isle is screening at the East End Film Festival on the 20th of April. Uh, Winters Ridge will be screening at the London International Film Festival on the 13th of April. And I will be at the Imagine Film Festival in Amsterdam uh, on the 18th. I'll be doing a Q&A all about the world of darkness, which is screening there. So do come by and say hello. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Get us rocking up the charts. Listen to our previous brilliant podcast episodes. Obviously, they're all brilliant. Um, yeah. Okay, so joining us today to talk about their new film, Dark Beacon, is director Cos Greenup and writer Lee Apsley. Hello. Yes. Welcome and to the And do I show. not get an introduction or do I want to introduce myself? You can do it yourself. I did have something written down. Oh, but no, go ahead. I'm not. Please introduce yourself. This is, this is great. My name is Nick Sadler. I'm from the film label uh, and I'm doing the marketing um, and distribution, all that kind of back-end boring stuff for Dark Beacon. So I guess any of my input on today will be the um, back end, the back end mechanical, the mechanics of it, really. But that's actually um, really interesting for a lot of people who go out and trying to make films, but they don't get the back end of it. And it how is, it, works. it is. And it, you know, that was a big reason why we started the film label. Um, you know, and, and since starting that as well, I've seen there's other organisations as well doing the same thing, and it's really cool to see that happening, as well as you know things like your podcast as well. Yeah. Um, you know, showing support for indie film. Yeah, I know it's important. We've also had one of your other indie filmmakers on the podcast, James Kermack, who made Hilo Joe. Yes. He's been on the podcast. He was talking yep. about yourself and yep. how it all happened, how it made. Yeah, great film, great That's director. Great. Yeah, yeah, very good. It's a really cool film, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so do listen to that podcast episode about he, how he made High Low Joe. It's actually really fascinating. His opening shot was one take when it was timed to... Two minutes, two minutes, one minute 59 counts down. Two yeah. minutes. But it feels like longer than two it's, minutes when it's one cut. It's, it's incredible, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really incredible. Um, also joining us in the studio is Mike Fury. Hello, Mike. Yo. Yo, he's hiding away <laughs> at the back. Um, off mic. Off mic is Mike. Off mic, Mike. Your book is amazing, by oh, the way, Life of Action. Anyone who's into action filmmaking or they're making an action film, check out this book. You've interviewed some amazing people, Dolph Lundgren, Joey Ansar. Who else have you got on there? Scott Atkins. Scott Atkins, of course. Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. Uh, yeah. 
unbelievable. I enjoyed the Joey episode recently. Thank you. So do you want to say that louder into the mic? Yeah. <laughs> Check out the Joey Answer episode. There you go. Two episodes. Two episodes. We made it into a two-parter because he was so good at his whole history of who made it. Um, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Um, all, that, all that stuff will be in the show notes by the way so you can check out all the links including to Dark Beacon which is out now which you can watch and which we'll be talking about okay so um, Cos you're an award winning producer director you're known for the feature film Demon Baby um, which was released through E1 in the UK yeah it was yeah that was um, yeah kind of a weird dilemma for me the fact the original title of the film was Wandering Rose and I really like that title, but obviously it doesn't really say much about the film. So uh, when we had our original sales agents, they were like, well, yeah, E1 want to distribute your movie. I was like, great, I'll sign whatever bit of paper Absolutely. you give me. Let's like, yeah. just have the E1 logo on the side of a film. is pretty awesome. And then they... Uh, yeah, they they sent me over the artwork and the new name, uh, which is the very subtle they Demon Baby. You, they sent they, you. They, they were like, a... "This is what." No, I got no say in it. They were really? like, "Well, you've signed this, and now you're the director of Demon Baby." And uh, wow. I, I, I genuinely thought it was a joke the first time I uh, I saw the artwork. I was like, "This is a prank." Like, yeah. it has to. I don't want to be known as the guy that made a film called Demon Baby, but uh, I don't know. But you know, I, I was I was young when I made that film, and I think now. You know, that film we sold to 20 Territories, you know, mm-hmm. we made money on it, and it's like, well, you know, Demon, Demon Baby it is. Demon ba- well, that's the thing. <laughs> it's, a bold, it's a bold name for a film that has no demon and no baby in it. It's, I mean, it, it, it really was. Does it not I have mean, either it does, in there? It doesn't have it. It's a, no, it's so about a phantom pregnancy. are they? It's got, it's got pregnancy and a ghost, I think. Yeah, preg- yeah, yeah. pregnancy and a ghost, <laughs> but no demon or baby. But... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, actually, I, I still to this day keep that quote from a, a lovely reviewer from Twitter um, who said, if you're going to make a film called Demon Baby, make sure there's a demon or a baby in it. <laughs> to the director, Cos Greenop, I hope you die of cat AIDS. Seriously? It's, it's possibly the best insult that I've ever had. Well, it's um, a horrible insult. I mean, I immediately I mean, Googled cat AIDS and it's something I don't really F-I-B. want to die of, yeah. to be honest. Is it really horrible? It's, it's not great. Next, See, next time, ghost fetus. It would sell. Ghost fetus. Ghost fetus. Oh, it would sell. I can't believe they didn't even give you... They just said, no, no, no. They were I like, you signed sell. away. Yep, you signed away so we can do whatever marketing what, we want Looking back now, could you have done something different? Could you have said, do you know what? Uh, I mean, for my first film at the age of 25, I probably couldn't have argued with E1, to be honest. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they'd have just said, well, then no, uh, Wandering Roses. And, you know, it is quite a, you know, a specific title, Wandering Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, it I doesn't don't think scream it, ghostly. I mean, it, um, yeah, fetus abortion, <laughs> ghostly fetus, abortion yeah, stuff. No, it doesn't. But. Um, so, I, you know, at the time I was kind of a bit put off by the whole thing going, ah, oh, you know, they're just doing it for money. But then yeah. as soon as I started getting money for that film, and you were like, selling oh, it, I was right. like, I love change Demon it Baby. to whatever What's, you want. Yeah, yeah like, whatever, Demon Baby. yeah, that's fine. If you want me to do Demon Baby 2, sign me up and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, so yeah, it was, you know, it's, every film you make, there's, there's lots of learning curves in it. And that was a big one for me that Huge. I didn't even realise that could they, even could, they could change I know the they titles. Can change, I know they can change titles. I'm aware of that. And Nick, maybe this has happened to you a few times. Have you ever had to change a, a title of a film? No, but we did have to change the artwork for the US release of Dark Beacon. Mm. We we preferred our artwork for obvious reasons, and it was very it's cool. It's by an amazing artist as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Adam Ralph, who um, he did all the Star Wars uh, Rogue One posters that they had at the IMAX wow. over here in the UK. They were specifically designed for that. Um, he's incredible. Uh, I think, though, it's, you know, when it's, when it's maybe not a tentpole blockbuster film mm. – um, they're really they're going. They're trying to get the numbers out. They're trying to get the money, um, and you know, having two um, beautiful looking women looking into each other 
um, with a lighthouse in the background was is probably going to have more clicks and people watch it sure. um, than the kind of really cool artwork we had. Mm. Um, and again, it's they, there's all sorts of tactics that they say try and use um, the title of your movie to start with the letter A because fifty percent more people it shows up on on lists oh, at the beginning. Sense. A dark beacon. A dark beacon. What, what, what did you a, miss out? Why? Aardvark beacon even. Yeah. Oh, we, we did this idea Aardvark earlier, beacon. but we're thinking, oh, D's not that further <laughs> far, far <laughs> down. We'll just keep it to dark beacon. But you know, they they there is reasons why they do it because you know everyone wants to recoup their money and of course, you know, yeah. like Cos said, you know, as soon as the money came in, he's like, cool, sign me up for dark beacon too. There you go. Um, so yeah, it's a compromise between the commercial and the creative sense. Right. But it does happen. It does happen. Yeah, because uh, my films are Dare, and I always sort of go, should I have just called it Dare? But there's loads of films out there called Dare, and you're suddenly up against those. But The, there must be a lot of films with The before it. Yeah, I the guess Dark so. Beacon. The, you dark, think beacon. the dark Beacon. But Dark Beacon. Dark Beacon. Lead Dark Beacon. I mean, we were, we were kind of expecting Jersey. it could have been changed like Lesbian Lighthouse Killers or something well, equally as brilliant. Well, you yeah. know. Lesbian but Lighthouse Killers. Every single time I've had that, I've, I've, I've been talking to someone, I've complained about it. I've been counting again, like, oh, well, you know, someone changed this, you know, some kind of bullshit, like lesbians in a lighthouse. I've been saying that, like, Dismissively, someone comes up and goes, "Oh, did I just hear lesbians in a lighthouse?" Yeah, actually, someone actually did. Someone actually did that. Right at a party in Cannes, they're like, "Did you say lesbian lighthouse?" And we're like, yeah. point of it, but, yeah. "It was yeah, that's <laughs> quite funny." Well, <laughs> Sharknado. Sharknado. That's, that's, that's the pinnacle of it. Really. They made a lot of money, though, right? I mean, yeah. these films have made uh, money. They made, yeah, is, they've got some money behind them, which is crazy. Sure. Yeah, um, Demon Baby or. Rosemary's Oh, Wandering Rose Wandering Rose yeah. Rosemary's Baby Well, actually in the UK it's Little Devil as well Oh, that's a good so, title Yeah, Little okay. Devil that's on Sky Movies it's Little Devil Cool, check that so, out You're from Wakefield, right? I am born and bred in, Yeah, I was born in Wakefield Wake and then, I'm, uh, I'm Harrogate Oh, are you? Yeah. Well, I, lived, I actually grew up in Ilkley Did you? Yeah, yeah but I was born in Wakefield yeah. Wakefield against... Prison No, I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> I played one. against Ilkley many times in the football I did, I used to play for Ilkley Did you? I did indeed We might have played against each other Probably did You might be a bit younger than me but I don't know, I'm older than Alex Just good moisturiser Yeah, that's what I say That's what I say We might have played against each other That would be hilarious It would be funny Um uh, yeah, so you're from Wakefield. You you did Northern Film School, right? Yeah. How was that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I essentially tell people it's like getting a degree in finger painting when you go Brilliant. to film school. The uh, so three years was was good. Obviously, I met Lee there, which has obviously been very beneficial. But and he um, recognised because my name was at the top of the register. Of course, because yeah. So, yeah. So he was like, go. well, there we go. There you go. <laughs> uh, but it was I don't know. Film school's weird, like. Yeah. yeah, there was many times that I think all of us wanted to leave. I think, you know, I, you know, people always say the best film school is going out and making films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's only so much and so many times you can watch like Battleship Potemkin and really get anything out of it as a filmmaker. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I found as a filmmaker after making Wandering Rose, I had no idea how to sell it. Or, you know, when like the lead actress to the film, Karina, saw it and was like, oh, you should take it to Cannes. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I assumed Cam was just this red carpet event for A-list celebrities. I had no idea about the markets in film and uh, didn't have a clue, really. So I literally went to Cannes in 2014 with 50 DVDs and a rucksack Shit. and uh, slept on a floor and just tried to pimp myself out to as many people in the market. But I didn't, I didn't have a clue. Right. And uh, that's the one thing that I think was awful about film school is that, you know, you've got the resources. They obviously have kits to go make films and, you know, they do encourage you to make films, but they don't tell you about that side of it. You know, mm-hmm. I think most people who go to film school want to be filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was where it lacked was just the fact that they didn't teach you anything about the industry or the business side of the industry. Totally because the I think side. it's far more, you know, that, that would have been far more beneficial than, mm-hmm. than watching 
old school films. When it was sort of free in those days, it's an easier choice. But nowadays, you think if you're paying tuition fees, if you've got a crew of people who would be spending, uh-huh. what was it now, like nine grand a year or something? Uh, so if you're spending nine grand a year, like... Make a film for that. If there's, like, yeah. if there's like five of you, you've mm-hmm. got a lot of money totally. to burn. You could easily Why not yeah, go make well, one? Was, yeah, I mean, that's so Did true. you not get to make one at all? When you, oh, even shorts or, I mean... No, I mean, that was the thing is you'd all have to pitch ideas for films and then I ended up being... I think I was an AD on my final project, so oh. it was just the most uninspiring thing ever. I had no creative say in, in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, we used to... I mean. Me, Lee, and a guy called, well, you and our mate Dan, especially, we used to go and just steal the kit and go and make our own That's stuff outside of uni. Do. You've got to do um, that. But all the stuff at uni, I, I, yeah, I have not seen since we, we screened them at university, to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. Which which is a shame, but I think, you know, it's, it's good to, you know, if there's people that are keen on doing stuff, then it is meet, meeting those contacts. Like I said, yeah, we met, I met Lee in 2006, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've we've made two films together. So it's. You know, they're the contact, you know, film school and any kind of university is what you make of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to go out and make films, then it, don't just sit there and be all depressed and be like, oh, this is a waste of time. It's like, right. actually, look, there's other people around you who want to do this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go and make films yep. with them. Totally. That's, that's, yeah. that's the best thing about uni, I think, is is meeting those kind of people, like-minded people, for sure. And getting smashed and, yeah. Yeah, well, there is that and girls and whatever you're into. You know, that's, that's yeah. sort of like, our kind of subconscious, that's why you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really, yeah. we spent most um, of our time just drunk. Um, and, I do a lot of good work drunk. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's now one nice thing like, with sort of internet and that, like that sort of finding other people, including stuff like podcasts like this mm-hmm. or like networking events. You can find people. You can. There's a thing. There's yeah, not like yeah, there there's, you're not like sort of someone growing up like in a small town now and going like, oh, where's a secret coven of film people mm-hmm. who might want to make stuff? Mm-hmm. You can actually like just yeah, find and sort of collate like T1000 coming back together. No, it's such. A, there's actually quite a small indie community and do you know what you can find them and you can collaborate and speak to them and yeah you go. I mean, really both, cool. both the films that you just did shout outs to mm. you know we you know I know Matt Hooking yeah. did Winter Ridge yeah. and then um, Tori actually auditioned for one of the parts in Dark Beacon no way as well yeah she was the last girl we auditioned wow and um, I think she was amazing but I think actually she was going off to shoot one of her movies one of her movies um, exactly so yeah so that was, the it, it time, is such maybe. a small uh small industry and i think for me that was the main thing like i've lived in london for four years now mm-hmm. and i made my first film in in yorkshire and just didn't know anything or anyone and you know you quickly meet you know in the first year of london like you just realize you know certainly at this independent level like everyone goes to the same networking mm-hmm. events everyone mm-hmm. goes to the same parties mm-hmm. it is such a such a, a small industry it really is i i listened to one of your talks actually at, um one of chris's jones's uh, events uh, yeah. screenwriting one of the screenwriting things and that's how i, I heard about you so when I think it's some, maybe you actually emailed me, and I was like, "Oh, I know who this guy is," and it was just because mm. of the connection. It's like, "Yep, yeah, cool, no problem." I, I think I'd say in London, what you realise is that the people that are going out and doing something about their career and being active in their career mm. in London, they're the people you keep bumping into. Yeah. They're the people you keep seeing at the same network events because they're you know they're hungry, they're excited, they're doing shit, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and that's where you keep bumping into them. So I guess you know, like as Cos was saying. Just get out there and start doing it. It's totally started doing yeah. it, which is what you guys did. And did you, how did you? Because you you do comedy as well. You do stand up comedy, direct bits and pieces as well. Um, script writer, right? So I mean, obviously, yeah. so that's that's your main sort of what you wanted to do after film school. If we'll put it in inverted uh, it was brackets, primarily writing and uh, directing. But then uh, this is the one I think I came more writing on this because um, for Dark Beacon. Uh, Christ, I mean, like the initial outline, about five page outline, like yonks and yonks and yonks ago. And then I had 20 pages of notes because I'm a psychopath. 
Uh, and it was like, oh, just come on, just come on board. And, well, you're done. and then, <laughs> yeah. like, and then, like, almost everyone who ends up producing like independent features, it's because you're like, right, well, we're gonna get made now, so I'll stop and just get this I stuff mean, done. That, that was actually I initially came to London, and it was gonna, it was supposed to be for a month to write the screenplay with Lee for Dark Beacon. And I've mm-hmm. been at his house for four years now. <laughs> and it, was, it started out you're as literally a month, on the floor, a month writing. Like we wrote again. it. And honestly, it was, and I was like, right, do you want to produce this with me? Yeah, let's let's go make it happen. And how did you make it happen? How did you obviously the script's in good shape now you're in a good place for it how do you then go right let's actually pick up camera and shoot it where did so, you get the money how so did you start th- what we we learn obviously after my first film like we've been going to Cannes for the past few years and everyone in Cannes always tries to find money that you know Cannes is just one big like mm. social bank that you're trying to find and I think for us it was like right well everyone tries to get into parties because there's free booze and there's the people there that you want to meet so everyone goes around going, oh is there any parties what's do who's doing that who's doing what so we thought if we invest you know, a couple of grand on getting a villa mm. and just inviting all the investors and all the financiers that we wanted to the party because no one turns down free booze and a, a free pool party. and not a party right. in Cannes. So we were like, if we can get packages together, we'll put showreels on all the TVs, we get projectors mm-hmm. and get all these investors that we've been kind of courting back, back in London up to this party, get all our mates there, the load of actors, so you know it's going to be a wild party yep. and, uh, and kind of just schmooze them there. So then that when we're emailing them back, we say, hey, thanks so much for coming to our party, you know, we were chatting about this, blah, blah, blah. And um, and that was it. And literally, yeah, that obviously cans in May and we were shooting by August. Like literally we've got all this, you know, that's really? that's how we got the investment. That's, that's ingenious. Feel like that, that moxie because we, we had we had a, a photo wall and we, yeah. had, we had people like taking pictures of tweeting and stuff because I went last cast stuff in can. Yeah, we yeah. gave away free like... Uh, Baseball uh, caps, snapbacks. free branding snapbacks. Right, so people were taking so yeah. people all around can. It was like, yeah. The investors, if nothing else, could see like, oh, these guys have made a buzz. Like for the rest They're of the can, we're going around and people recognize mm-hmm. oh, Green 13, oh, great guys. We were in a magazine. We were actually in a magazine. Top three villa parties in Cannes in, two, in 2016 uh, and then yeah. it's that thing that like you've yeah you've created like a figure of buzz even if the investors could see like this was our us doing like a branding sort of pitch mm. they could see oh they've made this happen yeah they've actually they done can get, actually get this buzz created the, which you could do for a film the and coolest I mean, thing was Lee was back. waiting in a queue for a bar and this guy he was wearing a Green 13 films cap mm-hmm. and this guy came over and grabbed him at Green 13 brought him to the front of the queue <laughs> and gave him a yeah, really? that, yeah, yeah free drinks I was yeah, like that's, that's great. Cool. and that's your production company Green, Green 13, 13 yeah. films yeah, which is a great title right. good name yeah. for a company so, uh, so yeah I mean but it's, it is weird like we gave we Every event that we do, we give out those free hats. You know, it costs us, what, 100 quid for 10 or something. But, mm-hmm. you know, we just see people around where you're certainly around Soho and stuff. People wear it and it's just branding wherever we go. And uh-huh. I think it's, it's, it's quite a statement on, you know, like we're saying, it is such a small industry. If we see people going around wearing our branding, mm-hmm. people go, oh, that's, that's an interesting name. We get, you know, just type into well, Google and, also, and stuff. Uh, well, and also when you then contact them an email and you put Green 13 as your email, they go, oh, I've heard of them. Whether yeah. they yeah. remember where Ex- from yeah, or not, exactly. they go, I, rem- I remember them in a positive way. Yeah. That's genius, Absolutely. right? I mean, from your side of view, this must have been a, a golden ticket for you. And well, these it was guys how we doing really something. met, wasn't it? Was really, it? from that. Yeah, these guys, the film label came to the party. Oh, and were you there partying, was... giving it free uh... booze and free hats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nick was in the hot tub. <laughs> I recall. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> of course, you don't remember it. That's um, not the point. Nick was in the chapel that was inside the villa. I believe. Yeah. It was ah, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, again, it's like he said. It's a, um, it's a, it's a, a place where everyone's networking and, and trying to impress 
people mm. so they will hopefully invest in them and they're exactly the right thing you know creating a buzz creating a story as well i mm-hmm. mean especially for the people that have been in the industry and maybe getting a bit jaded and they're seeing the same shit and they're dealing with the same producers and companies you get the fresh talent coming along and these kids that have got some energy mm. you know they're like awesome i want to be involved in that because a lot of people that are in film you know they've probably made their money somewhere else and they they're, they're in film now because they're attracted to the you know the glamour and the glitz and and the red carpet and even if yeah. not that but it's it's the social aspect and it's and so when you see people coming along that are doing something fresh and new mm-hmm. they want to, they want to be part of it so and that was just genius what they did I, totally genius and you saw that and loved it and so how did it go from then you just rang up the investors you were speaking to when you got back to so, London yeah, and went some, give yeah, us some money we Come had on, some follow up meetings with them and they were like great yeah this is just the kind of project we're looking for obviously I think it helped the fact that we had one film under our belt with, yeah, with totally Wandering agree. Rose I think yeah. you know and like you know I'm you know, hopefully shooting my fourth feature this year and in the space of like three years I think the more that you do the more people see actually okay we're not going to be taking such a huge risk you know if you've got like three short films mm-hmm. you know then obviously that's a risk if I say right I've got a body of work behind me I can show them the figures from E1 from my first film I think yep. You know, they're not taking so much of a gamble. And I think certainly with, you know, the tax incentives that you can get on films nowadays, you know, and, you know, they're they're not huge budgets, these films that we're making. So, you know, actually for investors, it is, you know, it's quite a decent thing to do. And like Nick says, you know, a lot of them, you know, they're just old, rich businessmen who want to go down to the pub and be like, oh, I'm off to Cannes Film. But, you know, I'm an exec producer, going to a premiere. You know, a lot of them, you know, like it. It's either invest in a film or buy a yacht or you know yeah. your wife a new pair of a so, so they go well sorry i'll invest in a film <laughs> yeah exactly uh, we were we were we were pushing film label as well because we'd had our first film pan docker out which was directed written directed by oh, tom payton Pandorica. yeah yeah. so we were out there kind of pushing that and um, again young young guys you yeah know, mark zamet was in project. that right mark yeah, was yeah, in yeah. It, yeah. Okay. and i think we sat in a few of the early meetings as well so again mm. like you know, they're like, okay, cool. They're also attached with these guys. They're making something happen. These are the new kids on the block. Mm-hmm. Like, awesome. Let's kind of get involved. I think that that's originally Tom met you at a at one of the parties, and that's where the connection came. Yeah, that and then right, that's see. how we started working together. Yeah. Um, and I just basically, I came. Tom came back and he goes, I met this dude. He's completely crazy. He's like a rock star director, yeah. producer. He's totally awesome. We're going to sign him. We're going to make him a. We're going to make him a a, a a superstar. And I was like, awesome, cool. Awesome. And then I met him. I was like, oh yeah. He's a dude. He's a dude. He's a dude. He's such a liar. I met him and I was like, I was going to take a really dark turn. And then I met him and thought, oh, fuck now. I've already signed it. Jesus. How do I get out of this? I know what we're going to do from here. I'm not interested in hearing about Yorkshire. Yeah. Wakefield, you say. Wakefield, yeah. Really? No. If it had been Harrogate, different story. San of the North. I've never heard it come. No one has ever. No one has. No, that I never. That's the first time. It's still <laughs> tanned, but sprayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just tanned with other just, stuff. Yeah. I was going to be awful, really rude about Wakey then. Look, Wakey's all right. Wakey's it's Wakey. all right. I guess it's all right. So <laughs> now you've now you've got your investors. Now you're going right. Okay, cool. We can go make it. How did you? Why, why shoot? Because you shot in Jersey. So it's all these things. How did you say, right, we've got a couple of months to prep this? What was the process? So, so we had like the original, weeks, yeah, I mean, the actual initial weeks. prep just mm. happened so quick. By the time we actually did the deals and got the money, it wasn't long. But I actually, whenever I write, I get inspired by locations. And I'd seen the most amazing lighthouse in the Isle of Skye in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And because the Highlands Commission of Scotland helped me out so much with my first film in terms of getting permissions to close roads and stuff, and um, just really, really sweet, sweet guys. So I just rang them again and said, oh, it's me again. Uh, 
I want to shoot at this lighthouse. What are the, the chances of doing that? Like, yeah, cause not a problem. Uh, yeah, Nice Point. Oh, it's an amazing location. Yeah, great. That's going to cost you seven grand a day. And I was like, right, okay, I can't afford seven quid a day. Uh, that's going to be impossible. And like, yeah, we've just shot a Keanu Reeves movie there. So, you know, it's, it's really big on our books. And oh. I was like, so I got really disheartened because we were like halfway through writing it. And I remember saying to Lee, look, the location's gone. So we immediately searched like every lighthouse in the country. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we could go to Whitby. I was like, no, I'm not going to Whitby. I'm not <laughs> sure. I used to go there to kids. Yeah, I mean, look, Whitby's amazing, but it doesn't really give us the isolate, you know. Isolate. You're there, you're there filming on the lighthouse and you hear the slot machines. The slot like, machines and like, the goths go yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not really the place. But, um, <laughs> Although it was where Dracula, where Dracula, Dracula was, was you know, apparently Whitby. lived or yeah, born. Yeah, Bram Stoker or... came up with the idea of Dracula. Really? Uh, yeah, in when Whitby. he was in Whitby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that could have worked, but it did, it wasn't the lighthouse that I'd, I'd had in my head. So I wanted right. this really remote place. So we kind of left for Christmas, and Lee uh, Lee went to Jersey over Christmas and kind of called me. I don't know whether it was on Christmas Day or it might have been a few days after. And he said, "Look, you need to get here. I think I found the most amazing location." Wow. They sent me loads of images of it, and I was like. It's a lighthouse and it's got a causeway that closes up. Holy shit, this is amazing. Like, this couldn't be any better. And I remember, like, we literally went there and we were like, right, did Jersey have a film board? And uh, we were like, oh, they do. Great, let's get in contact. And it, it was literally just these two gadgets like in a house gadgets. and uh and just, like, powerful just... jersey film order awesome because they they invite us to um go meet them uh lovely frank toshak i believe is the, the head of the board yeah, and, and we go to meet them and the house is they invite us through to like the conservatory and the house is so large it takes us about 10 minutes to walk there through the house like it would justify like a little tricycle from the shining <laughs> traveling through the conservatory and we're nervous because of what happened in these points so we don't know if we're going to get the locations obviously yeah. you don't get the same tax breaks if you're forced money spent in jersey yeah so we're like seeing how we can balance it um and then just as we're talking to him we go like okay so we really want you at corby lighthouse and he goes oh fine went, what okay is that gonna be how much ha, how much is that gonna cost <laughs> and he stands up lights a cigarette goes to the window and goes no one cares about money in jersey we have far too much of it <laughs> I'm mate, legend. We, both, yeah, legend. Like our, our we were literally like, going, okay, like, we're like, we could you. probably scrape a hundred quid a day, max, yeah, max. like hundred, like yeah. maybe, like let's hundred, like let's just see what we can do. But and he's like, nah, just go meet the lighthouse keeper. We went for a beer what? with this guy, and he was like, yeah, no I'll come way. and open it up, come and use it whenever you want. Like they literally, seriously, it yeah. was that's the up, the upside of Jersey is because it's such a small place mm. and everyone's so sort of connected. Like yeah, because as the Jersey film world just all sprung up, I, I believe from these guys saying, "Let's get more film in Jersey. Let's do this." Because yeah. it's only nine miles before Mile Square, they can do it. Yeah. Like while we while we're talking about the lighthouse, he goes, "I mean, although one thing that will cost some money is you'll have to get the Coast Guard out because that's really dangerous tides there." Well, like, is that going to be difficult? And he goes, "I'll see." And he's still the window. He just shouts, "Oh, Jerry, Jerry!" And this head pops over the hedge. He goes, "Yes, <laughs> Jerry, can, can we get the Coast Guard out?" He's the head of the Coast Guard. Um, <laughs> on Sunday, I'm golfing. We're doing it next Sunday. All right, yeah. and he pops his head down. He goes, "Yeah, we can get that." He's also that, the town baker. It, it, it's, it's amazing. It honestly was. It was like something out of the Wicker Man. Like all That's these people, brilliant. like knowing each other. It was. It was hilarious. But yeah, I just remember because I remember with the drone as well. Because all lighthouses have like this radar mm-hmm. system um, for for boats. And, yeah, like, to not crash into and, um, and we were like, stuff. Yeah. I remember the, we were like, "Oh, we're gonna have real problems with the drone." It was like, "I'll just turn it off." <laughs> yeah, he'll laugh. I'll, just, I'll just switch just it, off. it off I'll just turn it off seriously <laughs> right oh. okay mate Yeah, just rang the airport I'm like yeah we're just doing some drone activity and they're like yeah well how long do you want us to stop planes but like you can stop planes like they, literally, like, the they literally, literally just didn't like we had full reign of everything I remember there was one location sadly that fell through and we were driving back and we just oh, no, saw this like, um, 
amazing creepy garage mm. and we just went up to the guy and we're like look is there any chance we can film here he was like yeah if you come tomorrow we're not we'll like, close it for you like they were just so oh, they didn't want any money that was <laughs> the great thing we had all this petty cash for bribes and no one took no anything because no. so, I've, just... I've been to jersey i've spent the summer season there and i loved it as i've been to that lighthouse i know the cause i walked across the big old walk and they've got those duck things that go as well yeah. and and they filmed another mother's son there recently which julian who's one of the guest hosts and been on the podcast as well he talked about filming there and how amazing it was and how everyone was very helpful and forward thinking and just like yeah you want to film go for it yeah. it's nothing it's like just, london it's just, just like, i was yeah, so honest we, we, we thought imagine that kind of mentality in london like yeah. it was like you People can't have a tripod down in london no, without they want, permissions and they want money health and safety well, it's, it's because rather than going for like there's not like a board and like a big system of it it's all like you have to talk to this board who don't actually know the people they're mm. just like the board who have to go for 28 people to get to their own departments it is just like they know the guy even if they don't already have a contact it's yeah. like yeah. all right well uh, the guy who lives down there owns it. i'll just walk over and ask him Brilliant! Like it's really lovely. They were so was, lovely. They were so helpful. Because yeah, you can't buy a house there unless you've like lived there for six you, years, which doesn't. It's I think really you, need, you odd. need to have people like um, vouch, vouch for you. It's a it's a weird. It's also the culture there's like really interesting. It's all a strange combination between like yacht and surfer culture. Mm. So okay, so now you've got location. You're over there. You're going right. Okay, we're going to shoot there. You've got your locations. You're going right. Okay, how do you go about getting your cast? How do you go about actually getting people over there and the whole so, process behind we it? We basically. Uh, yeah, went down the route that most independent filmmakers, so Spotlight and, mm-hmm. well, Casting Call Pro, which is now is Mandy, I believe, um, and just auditioned a whole load of people. And I think originally we, we wanted an A name because I know that for my first feature, that was a big stumbling block that a lot of distributors were put off because there was nobody in it, really. Though with a horror, it's not but, so bad. Well, that's, right? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if you look at films like Get Out, which had another ex-Skins star mm-hmm. in it, yeah, they're not. They're not. And you know, you look at any James Wan film. There's no one crazy famous in it. But I think for this kind of independent level, because they've not got the marketing budget of, say, Blumhouse. Sure. You know, we do yeah. need names to attract people. Yeah. So we were looking for somebody, and we just we auditioned so many people for the lead, and we couldn't find anybody. And it was when we were speaking to a producer friend of ours who just worked with April Pearson mm-hmm. uh, on a film. Uh, she was like, "Well, what about April? Like, do you want me to?" see if she can read the scripts we're like yeah Yeah, yeah, you know not really thinking much about it and uh and yeah literally a couple of days later we got a call from her agent was like look april wants to do it uh what are you offering her and so that's how we we got april really which was which is really cool yeah that's great um and then in terms of the kids in the film maya we we, again we were going to go to jersey and find a local kid Mm because to take a kid out of school anywhere and out of the country on a plane as a film producer i've learned so much about child licensing yeah it's um, crazy the hours you can film with them whereas if you're in jersey i'll just film with well in jersey (laughs) there's like you have to check your jurisdictions and the the licensing laws and like yeah because even did you want to get back to how we actually got well it was it was literally when we when we cast la um, she was like oh well, actually i have a daughter who acts and we were like ah oh, brilliant this is great so we met um kendra who is amazing in the film a really really cool girl mm. we're like, well this is great because we've got a chaperone and a, almost a second director for you know you know we're not her mum is literally going to be on set all the time as well so mm. it was it was really really lucky and mm. i think there's so many things in independent film that you do just you know the, the film gods are on your side for, totally. for so, many so many things can go wrong yeah, so many things absolutely. can fall down at any time yeah you've also got john campling who we i know very well <laughs> we have yeah yeah he's just brilliant and he's another just, yorkshire boy no, 
another Yorkshire boy, yeah. Uh, Lynn Roger, Toby Osmond as well. Toby. I've not met Toby, but he's fucking brilliant, right? He, I mean, yeah, he just seems like a great guy. He's been on the 365 Flicks podcast a he few has, times. Yeah, now, he's, he's next level. Next Crazy level energy, but a guy, one right? Of, like, the hardest working and loveliest people I know. Like, when he was out there, if, if you turn your back for a second, Bear in yeah. mind, he's, he's just supposed to be out there acting. If you turn your back and you don't look at him, by the time you turn back, he's, like, gone to, like, where you've been washing clothes. He's gone out and he's trying to, like, dry them with a hairdryer. And you're like, sit down. He's, I'm just trying to help. He's like, no, just relax. Yeah, he's that's, that's, that's incredible. That's true. He's incredible. Like, yeah, he had stuff like, he was like, like, the runner goes to get something and Toby is, like, almost running past him to go and fetch, like, Getting even faster. I'm faster than him. <laughs> Just about. please don't yeah, trip and fall. So it's much amazing. energy, yeah, so much, and, cool. and a great actor as well. Really, really Perfect. great actor. So, yeah, we met. I met Toby uh, weirdly at a networking event in London, yeah, and then what we were saying, just, wasn't it? It's all about the networking. It, it is, it, yeah? and he, he literally wouldn't stop pestering me for about a year. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, <laughs> maybe I, different. Maybe. He became he became a mate of mine. And I was like, look, I don't usually ever audition mates because it's really awkward when I yeah. say, look, you've not got it. And I was like, well, actually, you know, you do kind of fit the description of the part. And I was like, look, chances are it's not going to happen. And we auditioned quite a few guys for it. And he was by far the best. Right. So like, I rang him up. Look, babe. Yeah, I know I fucked it up. Yeah, don't, look, don't worry about it. I was like, Toby, let me speak. You've got the part. He's like, had your Toby Osmond impression. Yeah, it was. It was decent. It was decent. Let's hear yours then. I don't do impressions. Right, well, right, well so I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but, you've got your great cast. You're like, right, this is super. We're going to be making this now. We're moving forward. Uh, how was it actually on set, the first sort of moments? It was great. I mean, it was like a little holiday, really. I mean, the place <laughs> we were staying was just this amazing mansion with a pool, hot tub, free bar. You're and welcome. It was, uh, oh, was that yes, you? You saw that. Me yeah. arranging these things. Lisa, oh, Lisa, producing, I, I, giving it. It was, uh, <laughs> it was incredible. And, yeah, I mean, the weather, it was just like a summer holiday shooting out with your mates because a lot of the guys that worked on the film worked on my first film and I've known them for, for years really doing like, music crew videos. Wise. Yeah, crew-wise. Okay. So it was, it was really, really lovely, like really good. And I think that's so important in indie film is to have that kind of family mentality when you're making a film. Like mm. I love having people all together. I know some, you know, if you're there for eight or nine weeks, yeah. you know, it can get a bit, you know, stale and people want their own space. But, you know, for three weeks, like, you know, if you're all mate, you know, having barbecues. Yeah, we had and, some, like, every time there was a... a- crew day off the next day we'd have on that evening we'd all have like a barbecue yeah, or like it go was, to the beach yeah and it was stuff. lovely it was really nice and you know in Jersey I mean something that we didn't really think about because you're doing a horror film you know you usually especially with The Lighthouse you know I think mm-hmm. when we wrote it we saw crashing waves and thunder and lightning and stuff yeah, and obviously yeah. we're there in the middle of summer <laughs> yeah, which no is waves. essentially it's France smelly. And, uh, <laughs> and the weather was just absolutely gorgeous right. um, um, so we kind of like right well this could kind of play in our you know you know, it could be it'd be good for us essentially because actually you're not expecting all these horrors to happen in mm-hmm. such a lovely setting. That's true. Um, as yeah, well, as so it, it did work. It. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was mad like getting out the suntan lotion and stuff when we're filming. It was great. Absolutely, and, really and nice. having to like run with parasols. We're like, if April gets burnt on day two, mm-hmm. that's yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby's <laughs> running for it. Yeah. No, Toby, Toby we need one for you. Don't touch you, April, relax. Toby. Do not touch it. She can apply her own suntan lotion. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of the horror side then obviously you're talking there right it's it's sunny it's you, how did you then go right okay we still need to get the horror from this we still need to make people scared or i mean it's not necessarily a jump film right no, it's more of a slow burning yeah, intense yeah. horror so, i think for me it's it, you know the inside of the lighthouse you know we had to make kind of foreboding and almost like a, a prison and you know you never saw daylight coming from mm-hmm. from any of the windows you know all the curtains are shut and you had to have that kind of claustrophobic you know sense because you are essentially in this huge great big vista and you know 
know, you've got this massive lighthouse. And then when you get in there, we want people to feel kind of confined and almost like you are, you know, you are trapped not only physically, but emotionally. So very, very dark, kind of damp almost. You know, you you want people to smell the Mm. interior of that, you know, like rotting fish and just, you know, not not a nice place to be at all. Like just not loved at all. Um, Yeah. Because, yeah, as soon as you do go outside, it looks like we're shooting a bloody tourist advert for Jersey, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, absolutely. That played a big part of it. But but also, you know, just the way that we write, I mean, the one thing that me and Lee always try and do is just make characters sound like characters, you know, sound like real human beings. You know, actually, yeah, we've got a, a really great review in Sight and Sound saying, actually, these characters feel like people, which, mm. for, you know, for me as a writer is great because there's so many times when you watch horror films and you're like, I don't relate to these characters. Like, people don't say that. And I think for us, certainly Lee, like, I I've always, you know, sold Lee as the kind of rain man of, of dialogue because he, he really is. Brilliant. Honestly, he's just, he's so good when it comes to just naturalistic dialogue. And Got I think it. that's so yeah. important in, in these films because if you don't believe in what they're saying, if you don't believe that these characters are real, then why do you care about mm. all this shit that's going on? Why do you care if they're feeling like this? You yeah. don't. So for me, that that is a massive part of, of this film. It is, well, what what would you say in that position? It's like, you know, there's a great line in the film where she's like, you're fucking deluded. Like, you've literally come here, you, you know, your husband tried to drown you and you've literally moved to the one place where you're surrounded by water. And it's like, you know, because I know audiences are thinking that. It's like, well, why said it? Why yeah, would you be there? Why would you do that? Yeah, yeah, do that? So you know audiences right, are going to say that. So it's like, right, yeah, so let, <laughs> let's get them out there. And it's like, well, say it then. Yeah. Because you have to believe that because they are real humans. They're not two-dimensional characters. You know, mm-hmm. they, you know, people, just because they're in a horror film, they do think, and, you know, there's, there's so many films out there where they are just stereotypical horror characters and you don't give a shit when the, you know, yeah. terrible stuff's happening. No, absolutely. And also we, we sort of uh, avoided stereotypes in this part of the degree of, um, because it was gender flipped between drafts mm. where there was a, a no point did we, so it was really, it was originally like, went through so many different drafts, originally sort of Beth was a man and the main character and like sort of one in the end and mm-hmm. there's all these other things happening. Um, but, we just suggested the Jennifer between drafts and delivery didn't change much. So we did. We just we changed did, the names. Yeah, the dialogue is pretty much identical. Well, there were very, really, there were very over, minor genres. tweaks. But we, we get genders. occasional bits where, like, Spielberg since before came back, we're like, drinking whiskey from a bottle seems quite unwomanly. And we're like, well, good. Well, <laughs> yeah, then she's a character, all right? That's you. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. if gender dimorphism is that extreme, then she's a remarkable person. <laughs> or it's not, and we're still right. So we're going from both ends. <laughs> I love it. So how did you how do you go about writing together then? Is it a, is it kind of a seamless thing? Well, what's great is is Lee's a bit nocturnal in that he sleeps during the day and is awake all night. Whereas I'm totally the opposite. I love being in bed by half nine and sleeping a good twelve hours. Um, so I think what we do is, I mean, yeah, once we've kind of come up with the treatment, then we'll obviously we'll set down kind of you know we'll just sit and have loads of like post-it notes on mm-hmm. each scene and where we want every to go and where the characters are going in each scene and kind of literally have it out there physically. And then we'll just start writing and it's, you know, there'll be certain bits that I'll write and he'll, you know, look at them and change the dialogue here mm-hmm. and there and vice versa. And then once we've kind of got an outline of the script, we'll put stuff together, read it as as something that is a, a full piece and then say, okay, well, what works, what doesn't work? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite good, actually. I mean, it's... Living together actually helps us. Yeah, we live say, together as well. Yeah, a little so bit, right? Uh, it's probably pushing us. Also, we got those nice boundaries where, like, we haven't had to, like, um, like commute in to meet each other. We haven't, like... Mm. Uh, sometimes it's good because we haven't arranged, like, right, we're going to meet at this hour and do this. Sometimes I'll be working on something, Cor- like, Corey's, like, having lunch, and I could just... Right, go into the room and go, Corey, I've got a problem. Why do they do this? But if she does that, it doesn't make sense to go to this. So that will break tension here because this, oh, hang on, I've figured it out now. 
shut up and I'll go back in my room and ride some more. <laughs> Having that ability to sort of step in, check in, go back and ride stuff is really useful. Really useful. It's yeah, a nice yeah. It's a nice one. And me and Johnny Grant, when we wrote The Dare, we did it via Skype a lot of the time because he's in Middlesbrough. So it was easy just to sort of constantly go on Skype, right, okay, you write this bit. So we'd take a day, we'd yeah. go and write, send it back to him. And it was a brilliant way of working. Yeah. We sort of smashed it out in about a month, well, I think. They're really starting to just trying to verbalise your thoughts on the script itself or the story or any issue you have with it to someone else. Mm. Try, it tends to make it organise itself in your brain. Yeah. Like there's so many times where you're trying to explain the prompt to someone and in explaining it, you'll realise what you should actually do. Mm-hmm. Or occasionally also, yes, Corey does actually have the answer sometimes. Yeah, yeah that too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it was great because I just talk with him and do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then on set as well, are you sort of rewriting stuff there or are you just finding things that, obviously, like you said, the, the sun was different, so you'd have to go, right, okay, let's rework this bit. Was it that, I mean, there's, that there's well? so many. I think I've always said that you make four films. You have the one in your head, the mm-hmm. one you write, the one you shoot, and the one you edit. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's so key. Like on and set, the one the distributors put out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something totally different. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah, the weather, obviously, we'd never written anything about a causeway in it. We actually had a, a very stereotypical, like, finale at the top of the lighthouse, you know, using hey, it. That finale was great. It was a great finale, but A, <laughs> they wouldn't let us do it, the oh. Jersey Film Bob, because it was too dangerous up there and they only allowed two people up there at a time. So to get an entire film crew, it would have been impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also seeing the causeway, it's like, well, we have to use it because it's such a great it's location it's, for it's a finale. It's logical. And it's, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It's a, row, it's a really long road that you travel down and then twice a day, and the alarm goes and it disappears and yeah. becomes an island yeah. amazing yeah. amazing so yeah and yeah so so yeah, there's always rewrites I think yeah you you were writing different things the, the, all, well the, the biggest the thing is there's, there's st- so there's stuff like there's things that get dropped uh, because in the film and budgetary reasons of like I want to have a, an undead dog and like the whole like house getting flooded by a tropical storm and that's the kind of stuff that you write knowing we'll probably have to drop we this because they can't do it but then the biggest thing becomes because of the budget, your time, because you can't afford to shoot another day. Mm-hmm. So you'll be like, right, something's happened. We do have this location or something's happened. The actor's ill today. And then you're like, right, we've got to rewrite to make it still make sense and connect those dots back up. Got and yeah. those are the sort of rewrites you're sort of ending up doing daily uh, on this sort of budget level. I yeah. see. Yeah. Like the uh, like you mentioned with, with the garage, because we, we were meant to be in a pub. And then when we showed up, they said, nope. Yeah, they were like, oh, we've got no, we don't know so you're we, filming here. So yeah. Like, yeah. And we'd had an agreement. We merely run, get the get, get the garage, talk them into it, go get the actor. I rewrite a new scene in about 20 minutes. Get the actor go, and he wakes up with Jimmy Allen, wonderful Jimmy Allen. He goes, oh, I'm all right. No, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. I'm good to be pop landlord. And we're like, well, Jimmy, some good news. You now own a petrol station. Um, Testing your acting skills. <laughs> well, it was. He, he turned up go drunk because he was like, a method. I'm oh, a pop landlord. It's like, well, now you're Brilliant. a garage attendant mate yeah so like, you're a drunk garage so, attendant yeah so. now you're yeah <laughs> but there's a thing where you find it because that garage had all these like because it's a garage they've got these cars they're working on so then yeah. how does she get out to this desolate lighthouse oh she the little baller wills convinces the guy to give her a lift in these cars yeah, yeah. Mm. so it works so that's what i mean it's a bit clever thinking on the spot going right how can we make it work that's what you have to do yeah. well, that, that's the thing yeah. like you could either try and plan for it and then like wait till it's perfect but it, whatever you do something's gonna go wrong so just go and see what goes wrong and find out what you'll do when it does yes that's the jaws system it's the jaws and yeah. it is that's what makes us good independent filmmakers right it's just going we've got to think we can't yeah. give up we've not the revenant budget where you can go oh there's no snow let's wait till next summer mm. when we go to canada and when there's more snow yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it's true you've just got to think and keep going you have to you, you have these a lotted amount of time to shoot this movie and if it's mm. not in the can by then then it's not yeah. going to happen it's yeah. you know there's so many things that can and will go wrong and it is about adapting you know we had on um, 
my most recent film, House Red, we lost three days because our driver went through Switzerland to get all the stuff to Italy. Oh, and Switzerland, the tax and import and export laws are horrendous. So they seized all, all our kit oh, for three no. days. Really? Uh, so we immediately lost three. And it's like, well, we can't literally afford to... To, 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 to add three again, days, add on three it, days yeah. onto it. So it was, yeah, absolute nightmare. We all just sat around going, well, should we shoot on an iPhone? Like, what the fuck should we do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my, we're at this amazing location. Wow. And we can't do it. And that and that's the same, you know. I, I always say it's like, like an event company. You know, you've mm-hmm. got so many things coming together for this one moment and everything has to be perfect and you have to adapt every little way because you're never going to get that time. We couldn't afford to go back to Jersey to get pickups. We couldn't afford to, you know, uh, you know, all the other crew are booked on other jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, like all the actors are, got, are off going, got, doing got something else. Cut their hair. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Lifting that bloody dog. So, yeah, yeah, the dead <laughs> the dog dead again. The shooting around that dog. <laughs> yeah. Christ. It was, uh, yeah, I think you have to have, you know, the film gods on your side for sure, you know, because it is so quick to, to turn it around in three weeks. Really, it's, it's hard. It's, it's like I just, I just tough. love it when it's all in the can, like on the flight home, going right. I just now know it's just going to be me and an editor. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about the weather or food, timings or food. Yeah, yeah, none of that. Any actors or having tantrums costume. or yeah. you know kit breaking yeah. or it's just me and an editor. Like yeah. thank God. Yeah, and sit there. And it's, do it. Yeah, it's quite it, nice. Well, it's a different kind of madness because there's stuff that you wish you had, but you know you can't get it now. So then you yeah, that, yeah, yeah like, that's also right. Yeah. I'll sit here for like 24 hours working on one cut, but I know I can figure out how to yeah, make this like, work why did we do that like we yeah. don't have as much eye contact as I want but if I use this bit when they didn't know we were rolling I can squeeze another second <laughs> of suspense out of this totally that's, that's an interesting thing Do you did you like to turn over when they weren't sort of necessarily acting if you like and keep rolling afterwards how's your directing yeah, process we'll look at, yeah our, our DOP Hader would, would always do that naturally anyway because uh, he's a director himself and he's mm. like you'll always get those always. little moments that, that you, you might need. use so it's actually yeah I think certainly a lot of the tension scenes that I think there is a lot of cuts where it is like three or four seconds before mm-hmm. the action is said yeah. um, because they're yeah you, you never really know what's going to happen and it's yeah. uh yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd always do that. Always. Okay, good. Hi. I'm just jumping in here to tell you this is a two-parter. You probably know this when you click play as it was in the title, but I need to put this pod into two parts as there was so much good info and knowledge to help you filmmaking guys and girls. I didn't want to cut too much out. So, join us for part two on Friday, where we chat more in-depth about this ace indie film, Dark Beacon. We get directing tips from Cos, how to find creative moments in small locations, how Lee produced from the ground up, and was even sewing on set to get production done. And Nick talks about his new venture that all directors will want to hear about. It's called First Flights. Listen out for that on Friday. Plus, how Cos got Kubrick's DOP on board his next feature. Dark Beacon is out now to watch. Hashtag make your film in 2018. And remember, get your indie film shout outs to us. Whatever you're doing, whether it's a Kickstarter, you've got a screening, let us know and we'll do our best to get it on air. And then everyone can go and support indie film as much as they can. Thank you for listening and we will see you on Friday. <laughs>